Welcome to the Byron and Pace podcast. You've tuned in to Sandstone Stories. Take a seat and they'll be with you shortly. Welcome to the Byron and Pace show. Yeah, this is uh, Sandstone Stories, episode one. This is going to be so good. So a bit of uh, clarification about what this podcast is. To be honest, it's just me and Pace taking the piss, having some fun. Um, we both moved into this space we've called Sandstone Studios. We've got the podcasting set up. I've got my own podcast. You've got your own podcast. We figured let's just do some fun stories on the weekend. Um, the concept of Sandstone Stories hmm. is pretty simple. Did you want to explain it? Yeah, I mean, I think we're still figuring it out and it may change. But basically, each week or each episode, Byron and I come to the table with five stories. Yeah. Now, these can be like stories about a celebrity, crazy stories about history, um, experiments. Yeah. Things that are just like, you know, shocking, but not all of them are true. They're either going to be bullshit yeah. or true. <laughs> yeah. So um, the idea is that like, it's going to be fun, but it's also going to be something that like we'll learn a bunch of crazy shit from. Yeah. I mean, I've learned so much from TikTok just through like crazy stories. Yeah. It's like, did you know this? Did you know this? And you're like, whoa. And so I guess the goal for this is to first of all have fun, but also as a listener, figure out if it's true or not. So yeah. I think for me and you, as I was you know, preparing for these stories, it's really hard to come up with a rock solid fake story. Totally. I the, think we'll the, get better at it. Oh, for sure. And the, it was really stretching me creatively. I was like, oh man. Because I was Googling all these real ones and they yeah. were so well written. I'm like, he's going to see straight through my fake ones. So, right. And it's like how much detail? Because if you give too much detail, then it's mm-hmm. like why, you know, it's like you're, over, you're trying too hard. Yeah, no, this is going to be fun. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Um, and, and, you know, we're heavily, we're going to be putting out a lot of content on TikTok, which is probably where you've come from if you're listening to the episode. Yeah. To be honest, this is more a TikTok show than a yeah, real totally. podcast. Because, I mean, TikTok is a huge thing for both of us. So, yeah, let's... Um, Let's pop a bottle. Oh, yeah. So we got pour, the, pour a glass. Got the whiskey here. Yeah. What are we drinking? Uh, we got the, uh, this is your one, isn't it? Yeah, it's Glenlivet. Glenlivet. You got this for my birthday, didn't you? I think I've got one. Yes, I did. Yeah, it's so nice. It's, my, it's one of my favorites. So, yeah, this is uh, not the That's usual it. podcasting setup for anyone who's watching. But um, did you want to do your first story? Who, who wants to go first? Um, all right, I'll go first. Yeah. So, do you know the most successful pirate ever? No. Okay, so her name is Ching Shi, aka yeah. Madame Ching. She is a Chinese pirate. She this she was famous in like the early 1800s, right? And she was a prostitute from Guangzhou. I'm going to butcher these Chinese names, yeah, by yeah. the way. I'll try my best. Um, famous for her use of pillow talk and like influencing powerful men, and also like apparently had m- incredible business skills, like. Mm-hmm was like started as a prostitute, ended up like running the brothel and she had like all these people working for her. And um, at the time, there's this pirate called uh, Zhang Yi who like was like, you know, had, I guess he was kind of like a client, but also respected her so much because of her business skill and stuff like that. They sparked up a relationship and they decided to get married when she was 26. Um, And he had this like fleet of pirates and stuff like that, but he died. Um... Apparently he fell overboard, but, right, like, right, right. but like, who knows? <laughs> she ended up taking over his fleet, marrying his adopted son to like consolidate her leadership and then growing her like pirate empire to the point where at one point she was the commander of the Guangdong Pirate Confederation. She commanded like 400 ships, 60,000 pirates. How fucked is that? 60,000. 60, and like... You think of pirates in the Car- of the Caribbean, yeah, you've got yeah, like yeah. two ships or whatever and like 40 yeah, yeah. pirates. And the best part is she legitimately lived happily ever after. 
she because um I think it was the Qing government, mm. Qing dynasty, I don't know exactly how that works, but she made a deal with them because they couldn't afford to keep fighting her. Right. So, so powerful. So like she got amnesty from all of her crimes. She retired with her husband and like got paid out and she ran a like a gambling house in the city. And she's the most successful pirate of all time. Wow. Yeah. And um what a girl boss. Yeah, what a girl the, boss. The original, the girl, original boss. girl boss. Yeah. Um so true or false? It's gotta be true. There's it's no true. there's no way you made that. It's up. true. I mean it's history, so like who knows? But yeah. Yeah. No, it's that's true. um How sick is that? It's very Game of Thrones vibes. Totally. The way she like manipulated men who, who probably like completely underestimated her. Like I'm waiting for the movie or the TV show. Mm. Well, there's a there's a Chinese pirate in Pirates of the Caribbean. I wouldn't be surprised if they've referenced that, her. That um, when I was reading up on it, apparently that character is is based yeah. on this. As soon as you said a name, that's who I thought of. That's yeah. what I visualized in my head. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's a good one. So sick. Yeah. So I've, I've got a lot of history ones as well because there's so much crazy stuff that's happened in history. Um, actually, this is a history one. All right. I'll do a history one. Okay. Okay. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is the woman who gave birth to rabbits. Okay, I'm okay. listening. So the woman who gave birth to rabbits. In 1726, a woman named Mary Toff gave birth to something that looked like cat intestines. When a local doctor arrived at her home, he helped her to level se- several cat legs of, <laughs> along with nine dead baby rabbits uh-huh. came out of her. Yep. Baffled, the doctor wrote to experts in London and soon word began to spread about this incredible story. Not long after, the king found out and sent his private doctor, he's like one of the best in the world, to go investigate this. And when he rocked up, the day he rocked up, she gave birth to a 15th rabbit. Okay. They believed she had been, they believed she'd been startled by a rabbit while pregnant, hence why she was giving birth to bunnies. This theory was called maternal impression. It was determined that rabbit lungs developed inside Mary's womb. Yeah. Crazier still, after she delivered half the rabbit, someone noticed the animal had been cut in two with a knife. Still, his, the king's doctor was convinced that Toft was a baby bunna, baby bunny mama, and he brought her to London for closer examination. Upon her arrival, Toft became the talk of the town. People flocked to see the legendary mother, and her story was covered by major newspapers. Uh-huh. But <laughs> once she was in London, Toft stopped magically giving birth. Oh, shit. As if that wasn't suspicious enough, a servant was caught sneaking a rabbit into her room. The final end of the story... After one doctor threatened to perform surgery on her, Toff confessed it was all a hoax, hoping to earn money in freak shows and scam a few prominent doctors on the side. Toff had been shoving rabbits inside her vagina <laughs> and then pushing them out. <laughs> so please do not think of trying this at home. Oh my God. I mean, I was going to say, if you ended it at like, without the reveal, I was going to say it's complete bullshit. But as in like the story, as in like, I don't believe that that yeah, yeah. could happen, but the story is real. Thrill. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Imagine that. Bro. Get shoving rabbits in your hoo-ha. Nine. Attention. Nine. nine. At once? Well, she gave birth to nine. Well, a doctor was there. So it's not like she- Who are she, these doctors? Well, I mean, it's pulled, 1700s. I guess. So They're more like witch doctors. Like, I mean, yeah. They, they probably- was When were witches around? Mm. Or when did they think witches were around? The, the weird thing for me is that I would have assumed that she would have just been like executed or like- you know what I mean? Because mm. people would, people in those days were so suspicious and right, scared. Right, 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 As if she would have been like the king's doctor come to like mm. see her. They would have just been like. Uh, well, I think it was the 1700s and not the 1500s. So I think it was that sweet spot of they weren't, they didn't believe in full witches and everything at that mm. point. I don't know where witches fit in the timeline. But yeah, if it was yeah. like the 1500s, I probably wouldn't have been like witch. 
gone. Burner at the stake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what, you know, what they did back then. Harley. So yeah, that's a, a similar history one, but another girl boss, arguably another girl <laughs> boss. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now this one I, you may have heard of, but mm. I, it's just, it's an incredible story anyway. Regardless, um, have you ever heard of the Stanford Prison Experiment? No, I haven't actually. Okay, so this is like one of the most famous ever psychological experiments ever run from Stanford University, and it actually it it gets taught like now in every like. Um, 101 psychology um, curriculum it gets taught. So Professor Philip Zimbardo, he set up this experiment and he wanted to see the impact, the psychological impact on being an inmate versus being a guard. So like how power and structures like impact your actions as a human and Mm -hmm. and how quickly that happens and like becoming institutionalized. So he set up this experiment, like 12 guards, 12 inmates. And so like what happened is the first day the inmates were like arrested. So they, they were out and like they got arrested by the guards and driven back to the fake prison. They were then like strip searched. They were given numbers instead of names. They were given like inmate clothes and stuff like that. They would, they were told their crimes like armed robbery and they were basically like dressed down. They were treated like prisoners and then they were put in tiny little rooms with like a bed and like nothing much else. So that's day one. Day two, prisoners rebel. Day two, it's like 2.30 in the morning. The guards apparently have been kind of told to like treat them like prisoners. Mm. And they've been taking a little bit of liberty. They've been like banging on the doors and shit like that and waking them up, keeping them up at all hours of the day. So the pr- prisoners rebel. They like refuse to eat. They, um, they rip off their inmate tags. They, you know, they're like swearing at the guards and shit like that. So the guards remove all the prisoners' clothes, remove mattresses and, and, and put the instigators, the main instigators in, in solitary confinement. And then day three, what they would do is they would like make them randomly do push-ups and just, you know, like Guantanamo Bay. They mm. essentially just like day three turned into basically just like doing whatever the fuck they wanted to with these inmates. And like day four, the prisoners started to like divide based on the good ones and bad ones. And they started to want to be alone because they didn't want to be seen to be like talking to or collaborating with any other inmates because they didn't trust the other inmates and how they would behave. Mm. So they like started to like dob on each other. They started to like- Because they knew they'd get rewarded. Yeah, exactly. Day five was like the visiting day where the like family friends would come to visit and they came to visit. All the families were like, this is fucked. Like these people aren't eating. They're like isolated. One of the prisoners has already gone home because he started rage screaming and had a mental breakdown. And they were like, okay, you can leave. One of the colleagues of the professor came and inspected the place and he was like, uh, you've you've gone absolutely mad. Like mm. the professor was the superintendent, so he was like overseeing the prison, and she was like, you, "Like, I'm I'm reporting this to the you know the ethics committee or whatever." And then on day six, they cancelled the study, and it's just like it took basically three days to become completely institutionalized. And if you there's like videos of the whole thing, yeah, it was this huge controversy, but it did actually change the way that prisons were run in the US. That's like one one of the only positive things that came out of it. Obviously, it's an interesting study. But it changed the way that inmates were treated and especially younger inmates were treated. And, and what this experiment found was that it's not actually the individual has, doesn't have very much to play. It's actually the systems and structures that they find themselves in. Yeah. That like dictate your, how you act in that situation. Yeah. Well, that's, that's true, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, have you seen the platform? Mm-mm. I would guess that the platform is a Netflix, it's a Netflix show. Yeah. It's some other country is subtitled, but it would be based on that concept. Basically people agree 
to sign up to this. There's a few different people. There's either people serve time by going here mm-hmm. and they can do like one year service. Like criminal. Yeah, they yeah. can get absolved. Yeah. Or they go there to get benefits, like to get into a university or to do something. Okay. And so the character we're following went in there for benefits. And he signed, he said, I agree to this. Basically the concept of there's like 250 platforms mm. and there's two people on each platform and there's a big hole in the middle. And every single morning, it's all like level one, all the way down to level 200. You can look down the hole and see all the way down. Wow, okay. And they get like a, a bed and they get one item each. And then every single day, there's a food, a plate of food that goes down the middle and you get to eat as much as you want. So the people at top, they pig out Then blah, 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 blah. Once you get to about level 50, there's nothing left. And you spend 30 days on each level and then you rotate. And so if, you, if you're level like 80 or like 100, you go 30 days with no food. Drink? Water? Yeah, they give water. Okay. So there's like cannibalism. They like start eating each other. Oh, they're all on the same platform. No, there's, they're all on the same area, but different platforms. So there's two people on each platform. Oh, okay, all right. So it goes right. all yeah. the way down. And yeah, basically the concept, the whole concept is there's enough food for everyone. So if they divided and shared, yeah, there's yeah. enough food for everyone. But the thing is, you're at level 85, you've got no food. You go to level nine, you're going to pig out. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you don't care because you're survival. Yeah. And it's super interesting. It's like very psychological, but it's a similar thing. They signed up to it, but then they went. Is it terrifying? Know, and yeah. it's, it's like, how quickly does this, sh- do like all societal like norms and mm. like human decency get stripped away in those situations? It's like when, when COVID happened, it's like, Literally, it took a couple of days before people were fighting in supermarkets. Oh, toilet paper. Yeah. No, before it even, as a lockdown were announced, the day was announced, people were going, like, wild. society is held up by such a thin, yeah. like, veneer. My sister actually did for a PIP, which is her big project for society and culture yeah. in high school. She did um, Japan versus, like, other Western cultures and how the toilet paper crisis. Yeah. Because um, Japan is very much, what's it called? They're very communal. They yeah. work as a unit, yeah. whereas we're very individualistic. Yeah. And so Japan, you know, if you see on the train stations, they're all walking up one side and everyone comes down the other. Yeah. And so there'll be like everyone packed this one side. No one goes up the other side because yeah. that's respect. Have you seen those Japanese like at, at concerts and stuff? Everyone in Japan jumps at the same time and they all like clap at the same time. It's incredible. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a super interesting one. I got another good one here. I'm going to sure you do. I'm going to skip to this one. Okay. Toy Story 2. Oh, yeah. Haven't have seen it? Have maybe you've seen it? I think I've seen it. Yeah, With the claw. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. animation, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you know the Toy Story two almost never happened? Here's what happened. Okay. So during the animation or the filming, I guess animating of Toy Story two, yeah. the main studio that housed all the main animators who were building it out was broken into one day by a bunch of young kids. They broke into it and they managed to copy like 90% of the movie onto a hard drive so that they could distribute onto the black market and like make a shit ton of money. And How basically. Old- and basically it would, would have cost Disney like hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. because the movie would have been out before cinemas. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, this is back in like 2001. So the internet was a very new thing. And they didn't know this at the time. They had no idea it had happened. They didn't know they'd stolen it. Yeah, they had no idea. Okay. They got away with it. Okay. They had no idea. And so their plan was to sell it on the black market to the highest bidder. Um, but crazy enough, and this is the best part, the studio animating Toy Story accidentally deleted the entire movie. Some guy in the back end... <laughs> hit the wrong code and it started deleting and like slow motion and the animators started seeing Woody's hat disappear. Then his boots were disappearing. And they're like, no, they pulled the plug. And they're like, okay, it's okay. We got the backups. The backups failed. The backups failed. I swear to God, okay, the yeah, backups failed. Right, yeah, yeah. As this news began to spread, rather than selling on the black market, the boys reached out to Disney. No. They sold the movie back to Disney. No, no, no. no. They sold the movie back to Disney <laughs> for $10 million. 
And Disney had every right to fight it, but they just needed the movie back. And for 10 million, they were going to make hundreds of millions of Toy Story 2. It was a sequel. So they paid 10 million for it. And then the movie got recovered. That's complete horseshit. <laughs> Is that your answer? Yeah, that's my final answer. Yeah, you're right. Yes! <laughs> Do you know the real story? All right, go on. That was ba- the real story. Here's the real story. Everything I said about them deleting it was true. Mm-hmm. Some guy accidentally deleted the backing code, deleted the entire movie, no backups. <laughs> Everything was wiped. Yeah. But there was a woman on maternity leave who was working from home and she had the whole file. Work from home. Yeah. Another great advertisement for work from Bro, home. She recovered the entire thing because this woman was on maternity leave, like doing some edits from home. Another girl boss. That's insane. Another girl boss. Another girl boss. Yeah. You're right. Far out. That's so mad. Good story. Yeah, it's a good one, eh? Good story. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Here we go. Do you know Angelina Jolie? I'm aware. Do you know Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know that they were married at one time. Yes, before Brad Pitt. So Angelina, and jo- Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton had one of the weirdest marriages in like celebrity history, or at least modern celebrity history. So they got married in 2000. She was like in her 20s, early 20s, I think. He was in his late 40s, maybe 50 years old, already like, you know, yeah, stretching yeah. the boundaries. Apparently, they installed a padded room in their house so that people couldn't hear their crazy and wild uh, sex, which is mad. <laughs> <laughs> they bragged about showing up to an award show famously. Like, when they got there, after they were like, yeah, we just banged in the limo and like, and then they were like making out in front of all the cameras and stuff like that. So like, they were obviously, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty full on. Mm. They used to wear each other's underwear, which is, you know, whatever. People do that. Sure. It sounds fun. Um, but the most fucked thing is, they wore vials of each other's, they wore like vials of each other's blood around their neck mm-hmm. so that when they weren't together, they would like feel closer to each other. Mm-hmm. And like, even though the marriage only lasted three years, it was like one of the more gnarly things wow. in Hollywood. Oh, this is a tough one. I'm going to go with bullshit. It's 100% true. Oh, Yes. I thought you may have taken it and stretched it. Mm. I thought you may have gone, they've got an extreme marriage. And like, that's what I did with the Toy Story. Yeah. I took an original story and like yeah, yeah, manipulated yeah. it into my own story. Yeah. Damn it. There was more stuff apparently that they did. They would like cut each other's lips and, and then like make out and shit like that. Fire out. Yeah. That's hardcore. I mean, this is like entertainment news. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be horseshit, but apparently yeah. it's true. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. That's- I, I write the, um, the quiet sex room. <laughs> I write that. I'm sure they're not the only ones. All right, your turn. Yes, that means I'm winning. Yeah, one, you're one winning. nil. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Oof, this is an intense one. This is a bit of a different tone. Okay. Have you heard of the story of Putty Caves? Okay, this is insane. One of my best friends literally two days ago sent me a picture of like the guy from this story and he's and he like explained the whole story to me two days ago. No. Yes. Should I explain it? Yeah, yeah, please do. Because I don't think I know everything. Okay. Because I was like, I, I, I responded back to him. I was like, bro, this sounds, this sounds wrong. Like it mm. sounds like, it sounds fake. It's like a horror movie. It sounds like, a, it sounds like a fake horror story. Yeah, yeah. Like whatever. So basically this guy, um, John Jones was his name. Yeah, sure it was. It's John Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's like the most horrifying thing <laughs> yeah. that could ever happen. Yeah. So you, you know, caving. Mm. It's like, I don't know. There must be psychotic people who like incredibly claustrophobic where you're like moving, like shuffling your body like a worm to get through these spots. So people love it. Yep. And it's like a whole sport. And so Putty Caves is famous because John Jones went in one day and he was going down. He's about 120 meters down. So you're very far deep into it now. And uh, he mistook a turn off because you don't know where you're going. It's like 
Google Maps is there. Mm. He mistook a turnoff for the wrong place. It's supposed to be called the birth canal. And he went into a little little part and basically he had to suck in his gut to get over it. Mm. And then he slipped forward and fell in and he was stuck. And it was like, what is it? It was 120 oh centimeters. Oh no, it was 25 by 46 centimeters. 25 by 46 centimeters. The width. Yes. And oh um, he was 120 meters down from the cave's entrance and he was stuck there. Now his friend was there. Uh-huh. And his friend was like trying to pull him up. But as soon as he started pulling him, he couldn't get back over that lip that he had sucked in. So he started pulling him back up and he, he couldn't get it. And so they were kind of communicating. And so the thing is, it took him two to three hours to get up and call for help. And so by the time they got help, you know, firefighters came, everyone came. They used explosives. They used pulley systems. They did everything. The first time they went down, they used a pulley system. They tried it. It didn't work. Taking three hours to go back up, come up with another plan. They're now like 15 hours in and this guy's been stuck here. Or like, is it like pitch black? Is, pitch black, oh my God. 15 hours. He's just stuck there. He can't move. Oh my God. Um, he ended up being there for 28 hours. 28 hours he was stuck like that. Can you imagine? One of the most horrible things. And um, he never got out. It's so fucked. 28 it's hours. So fucked. 28 hours and then he died from cardiac arrest. You know what I heard? That they, they, all they, in the end, all they could do was inject him with drugs to like, kind of like make him right. not feel so like, insanely claustrophobic and like calm him yeah. down basically. Do you know what the worst part was? What's the worst part? In the pulley, during the second, like one of the pulley systems where they had an expert down there, they had him. They were pulling it and they had him and the rope broke. That was it. How? How? I don't, I don't know. I don't know, bro. Like surely, even if it's going to break every bone in his body, you just yank the thing and get him out of there. Like, but he has to like move his bone. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's I watched just, the whole, I actually, I actually watched a documentary on this like a few months ago on YouTube super chilling super freaky and and they didn't even they couldn't even get his body so he's he's still in there how does that make any sense he's still in there today his bones are in there literally you could you could like rip his legs off and pull him out and be like all right you got no legs but at least you're alive while he's awake like knock i don't know the issue was they just he was 120 meters down and they needed caving experts to go down so it took them so long just to get down there yeah so fuck that yeah that's a bit of a darker one but man (laughs) yeah it's i mean it's true far out i did um i did um not caving, but I went to like, it was like a tourist attraction somewhere in Australia. Do you I know caves? Something, no, maybe it was. Yeah. And it was like, there was some tight squeezes. Yeah. And we also did actually, we did proper caving in New Zealand where we like um, abseiled down to mm. this like insane, like glowworms cave and there was yeah. water and stuff. And there were like little caves that said, if you want to squeeze through here, you can. And I did it and it was like super scary and I got through and that was just like, what, 30 seconds. And I was like, fire out. No, thank you. Yeah. No, so, yeah. It's like that movie. Um, who is it? Uh, the guy James gets Franco. His, James Franco. Gets 127 his, hours. But like, instead of like you're out the side, you're upside down. Yeah. In a hole, and there's nothing you can do. Oh my god. Yeah, it's you don't want to think about it too much, but yeah, I mean, I guess you know that's real because you already heard the story. But uh, yeah, this yeah. is one. Yeah. <sighs> one more each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So very topical. Today, you and I are going to go and see James Bond, the new James Bond film yeah. um, at the cinema. And I was looking, I was reading up on it. And do you know the inspiration behind the character James Bond? Uh, I know Fleming went to a bar. I heard it, but I, I don't know. Okay. So there's, he pieced it together from a couple of different people. He was actually in the Naval Intelligence in World War II. Ian, right. Fleming, Ian Fleming wrote the book in 1953, right? Yeah. He was in World War II in the Naval Intelligence and he kind of had colleagues and stuff that inspired mm-hmm. him for the story. But the actual James C. Bond 
guy who's like, I guess the main inspiration who mm. he took the name from was a Welsh orphan, won a scholarship to Cambridge. Eventually, like all the British Secret Service people come from like Cambridge or Oxford, mm. at least historically. That's where they get like chatted up by like old dudes mm. and clubs and, and, and like recruited. So went to Cambridge, eventually ended up being recruited by the British Secret Service, MI6. He became famous in the service because on one of his missions in the 1930s, the real James Bond, the real James C. Bond, the well, uh, Bond, he literally stole a Bentley in London because he needed it because the target he was following got onto a train that he missed. Like the guy just got on as he got to the station. So he's like, shit, I know where this train is going. I need to follow mm. the target. So he ran into the car park and he stole a Bentley and they let him keep the Bentley <laughs> for for like six months before eventually he got reported. Like he didn't get reported, but like someone, like enough people made a complaint about the fact yeah, yeah. that he had to hand it back in. But the reason they let him keep it is because it was easier to explain to the owner, the original owner and the insurance company, like that the thing had just been stolen rather mm. than handing it back because mm. it was like a, a you know, a mission for MI6. Story. So yeah, yeah. they were just like, we'll just say, you know, like we won't say anything, just, just just let the insurance company handle it. The insurance company actually ended up suing, no, replacing the car because they never found it. Because how right. are you going to find the fucking guy from the secret agency that yeah. the MI6 don't want you to find? So like he never knew, the insurance company never knew, and he kept this car for like six months before eventually handing it back in. And that's where like Ian Fleming got the idea for like having the cars. And in the original James Bond. It's actually Bentley's, not Aston Martin's. And mm. then I think they're like some brand deal or sponsorship deal and ended up being Aston Martin's in the future. So Aston Martin mm-hmm. obviously got into Bond pretty early on. They locked in their deal for 50 years. 50 years. Genius. Which means genius, which means that no one's been able to compete. That's why they've yeah. dominated for so long. You'd think they must be paying tens of millions to have Aston Martin and Bond. 50 million plus, you would think, for yeah, the new yeah, Bond movies. Yeah. Nah. They locked in the deal in like 1970. That's so amazing. And yeah. James Bond has been, is it like the longest movie yeah. franchise ever? Do you know what? What? It was bullshit. It was, <laughs> it was complete bullshit. Got him. Good story though. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, my Aston Martin thing was bullshit. But what? <laughs> I just made it up on the cuff. Fuck. Because <laughs> my story was bullshit as I well. I know, I know. Well, I didn't know, but I, I guess. Yeah. Um, it was good though. I was, I was going to say it was real because it was just enough. Yeah. <sighs> It was just enough to like almost get me. Thank you. Well, is it a real story? You just made it completely up? I just up? made it up. He, right. he, um, Ian Fleming was in the Naval Intelligence yeah. in World War II. And there's no real James Bond. They don't think so. James C. Bond, cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I made up the Aston Martin thing as well. Fuck. Got him. 2-1 then. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we'll end on this one. Mm-hmm. So this is a, uh, yeah. Did you know? Okay. You could have gay sex in the Roman army so long as you were on top. <laughs> is there a story or is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, let me explain. So gay sex back in ancient Rome, not only was it easy to come by, yeah. but it was an accepted part of being Roman. Okay. Especially in the army. It was very accepted in the army. Yeah. They didn't see gay as being bad or sinful, they, but they didn't exactly admire it as well. Mm-hmm. The way they viewed it in Roman, they didn't really see sexuality as a spectrum. Uh-huh. It was more like dominant and not dominant, and they respected someone who's dominant. And so instead they focused their pre- prejudice on the submissive or feminine or the bottom as gay relationships. Meanwhile, they championed the dominance on top or the person doing the fucking. How is that ever going to work? Like, 
The only way I can see that working is if you daisy chain it. So like, <laughs> yeah, because someone has to be on bottom. <laughs> and then there's one person who's the bottom, and then everyone else is clear. And it's all down to the important role of class and slaves in Roman society, because it was right. perfectly acceptable for a Roman man to have sex with either a man or woman, so long as he was on top. So, like, the richer, more noble Romans would have sex with the yeah. lower classes. And or, that's- or am I bullshitting? <laughs> the thing is, I've heard about this, but I didn't think it was Romans. I thought it was a different culture. So I'm going to say bullshit. It's, it's not true. Romans. Damn it! <laughs> I thought it was Vikings. I, I saw a video about this being it's Vikings. It's true. This is, this is an article. Apparently, you know... They didn't really care about the sexuality so long as you're the dominant one. Yeah. The thing is, I mean, I guess it's, it's always going to be more dominant people in the army. And sure. so sure. Yeah, there were people who would like be, probably be willing to. It's, this is a double hitter though. Okay. All right. This is a double hitter. No, you so, can't get two points out of no, one. No, it's the sorry. same one. All right. All right. Same one. All right. This doesn't count for points. Actually, okay. no, screw it. This is a double hitter. <laughs> it was very common for Roman soldiers to have large orgies of 50 to 200 people the night before battle. Okay. Their logic was, as I mentioned, being gay wasn't seen as sinful like it, I guess, wasn't you know, a thousand years later, but the orgies, people believe the orgies were the reasons that the Romans were closer and fought so well as a unit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because fighting side by side with someone you had sex with the night before created a stronger bond than any other army and could be the reason Romans dominated so many battles throughout history, even when they were severely outnumbered. That's amazing. Now that's just a theory from people. Yeah. But is it true or false? <laughs> oh my God, I hate you. <laughs> you're, you're fighting with your bang bros. I reckon it's true. False. No. <laughs> so now here's what I will say. I could be wrong here. I could be wrong here. So basically I heard this story from someone, but I researched it and I couldn't find any evidence that they had orgies. Yeah. They had, you know, small orgies, the richer people, but not soldiers, especially not before death. I could be wrong, but there we go. Oh man, I wanted that to be true so badly. <laughs> Same, I just thought it was like, such a cool story. Yeah, just it like makes an sense, army though. of dudes that have just fucked each other. Yeah. And then the next day they're like, all right, yeah. we got this. I know, that's why that was such a good one. Oh man. 4-1. You... Damn it. Man. What? Wasn't it? No. 3-1. No, 3-2. What was your double? I mean, you. I had revealed the James Bond one before you gave your answer. Because you came in oh, with this bullshit I said bullshit story. on story. Yeah. Yeah, so you lost your point there anyway because you said it was believable. Yeah, but I didn't get a chance to even have a go at it. Yeah, well, too bad. That was my miscommunication. So what, three, two? If you're going to count, you get two out of one story. <laughs> well, I mean, it's two separate stories. <laughs> they just linked in. All right, man, whatever, you win. Fair. Fair is fair. Good boy. Um, all right. Here ends the first episode of Sandstone Stories. That was a longer one. Yeah. Hopefully people enjoy it. And I, th- I think um, if anyone listens to this, hmm. I, that being said, my most downloaded episode is episode one on my podcast. Right. It's over 12,000 downloads. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, people probably come back and listen to it. If you do, send us your stories. Yes. Also, if you happen to be a book publisher or a whiskey um, distiller, <laughs> get in contact. Yeah. We're putting brand names, books, all <laughs> the, in the videos or TikToks and stuff. But, yeah, we're not going to say what whiskey we're drinking. Wait, do we say it? I yeah, we, we already said Glenn at 12. Yeah, oh, well, they got a free one. Um, also, if you are listening, do us a favor and throw us a follow on whatever it is, Instagram, and you probably found us on TikTok or whatever. Yeah. And then the reviews on like Spotify and stuff, it takes like it probably takes like thirty seconds to a minute. Mm. But it legitimately, if you get ranked early on when you're making a podcast, it makes the whole thing like so much, yeah. so much better. So if you could do that, and then if you want to send me a DM, I will send you a personal thank you yeah. song. 
Same. Oh, I won't do that. I'll just say, I'll send you a personal <laughs> thank you something. It might not be a good song, but it'll be a song. Um, but yeah, also send us your videos and send it individually to me or Pace. Yeah. If you have stories. If yeah. You have because we stories. don't want to see them. Like we didn't, this is legit. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. not faking or acting here. I yeah. didn't know this. Well, you knew the party one, but that was a coincidence. But I told you. Yeah. The Toy Story one, I specifically didn't tell him. Like, a, I mean. All week. We've been like, oh, do you know yeah, that thing? Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, tell yeah. you on the We want to save it. So send us privately your story, whether mm. you want me to say it or Pace to say it. Um, and if it's fake, great. Send us a, a story. Tell us if it's fake or if it's real and we'll, yeah. we'll put it out. We could even play the recording if you yeah. want to, if yeah. you want to tell the story like in an audio message or something. Yeah. Send us an it. audio. We'll, yeah. we'll play it. Um, through our roadcaster pro here. Yes. Yeah, um, but anyways, that's it for the Byron and Pace podcast. This was a sandstone stories. Mm. Make sure you follow us online, but yeah, join us in episode two whenever that comes out. Shit. Yeah. All right. Nice.